Good evening. Well, I can say good evening. Um, you might be listening to us in the morning, in which case, <laughs> good morning and welcome to Do The Franchise. I'm Jake. And I'm James. And we are today doing, uh, we are doing Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two, James. We made it. We're all the way at the end. It's, it's finally here. The, the final film. We did it. Took a long time to get there, doesn't it? It's you know if someone told us that it would take so many months to watch all the Harry Potter films, do you think we still would have done it? I think I know. so. I think I think we've done well, all things considered, with with our schedule, with work, with weather, with with technology hiccups, with being in different locations. I mean, tonight we're over the air again. Um, we got does, we got through it, more films than Dumbledore did. We got through more than fucking Richard Harris did. <laughs> no, it's not funny. We shouldn't laugh at dead people. So, James, IMDb gave this film a rating of 8.1 out of 10. Um, pretty high. And yeah. uh, Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes gave it an audience score of a whopping 96%. Yeah. I mean, that's huge, isn't it? It is massive. I, do you reckon they were just happy it was done with? I, I, just... I mean, maybe. Who knows? It's just... <laughs> I mean, I I think that's a generous rating. It's pretty bloody high, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I guess. Yeah, sorry. My, I guess my question would be, what was your rating? <laughs> oh, my rating. Well, I there 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 were bits of this film that I would probably agree with them. Definitely up there. Overall, though, I'm I'm probably a seven, seven and a half, maybe. Yeah, I think that's about fair. I think I give it. I think yeah, I think I would agree with that. It it does it does a lot of things to wrap up a lot of things um we will talk about it in the podcast obviously later but there's things that aren't resolved there's things that happen off screen a lot of things happen off screen actually in this movie and you feel a little bit like we've been cheated out of a few things yeah yeah I, again very guilty of telling us about stories that sound far more interesting than the actual story yeah no i, I agree with that there's a lot of stuff that we're hearing about that's going on the other side of the castle but we don't get to see it we see a good there's a few really good action sequences i think it's probably the most action-packed of the Potter films definitely the most pacey of them i think you agree yeah yeah definitely uh lots and lots of pace uh no house elves in this one either i mean there is james this is the dead one <laughs> dead <laughs> ourself <laughs> was it was that the same beach they were on because forgive my ignorance they they landed on a beach, and in this film, they start off at like a safe house that's on. Is that the same beach? Because that's really lucky if they just manage to a- appear on a beach with a safe house. No, yeah, that if yeah, that house is in the background of shot when we land on the beach. Right, right. Um, that, that's it, lucky. Yeah, Ron. No, Ron tells Dobby to take people to that cottage. Ah, right. So it wasn't the, just a, when they're in the basement. Out. No, um, no, no. It was it was a deliberate ploy. Ron told Dobby to take them to Shell Cottage, and that's where they end up. And I think in the book they end up there for quite a while. Uh, in the movie, they're there for what about five minutes, three uh, minutes, just long enough for Harry to upset the uh, goblin. And, yes, grip hook. Yeah, and also to kind of explain that John Hurt's a bit weird, and he had identifies sticks. Yeah, yeah. John Hurt can hear sticks and identify what's inside them. <laughs> and it's at this point that they introduce the concept of wand law. I didn't—they've not mentioned yeah. that the entire franchise. In the yeah, films, I remember. Really. I remember you sighing really loud <laughs> when we watched this bit of the film. Um, I, I, yeah, there's, those scenes exist purely for exposition. Um, they are a bit, like you say, they're a bit hefty. They're a bit plot heavy. Yeah. Um, the goblin scene with Grip Hook, played by the wonderful Warwick Davis, I think he's brilliant. I think it's 
almost, even though we know obviously Warwick's covered in goblin makeup, yeah. his performance is outstanding as that little thing. Like, he's really evil. He's really creepy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's good that, you know, he tells Harry that he remembers taking him to the... Yeah, he yeah. does. And he's like, oh, you think that I don't know who you are, Harry Potter. And like, oh, he does remember him. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. I like that. Uh, yeah, I've always, I liked that scene a lot. It worked for me. They then start planning a bank robbery... Um, around the same time because they assumed that one of the bits of Voldemort's soul are in the bank. This is very Mission Impossible. Mm, this this is. is this is the the first Mission Impossible film where they have to go in into the uh, CIA place in Lang- Langley and he's dangling. Yeah. Tom Cruise is dangling. It feels like that film. When they're describing how difficult it is, it's like it's that film <laughs> all over again. And yeah, they sit down and they go, how difficult is it? Have you seen Mission Impossible? <laughs> <laughs> also, how much of that face potion, apologies potion, have they got left? Because they used it in every plot. Every plot string, every narrative string uses the apologies potion now. Yeah. Do you remember I said to you in the second one where we were watching that and I said... I can't imagine that this thing that they've just made in the class in the in the toilet at school was going to be a useful plot device again. She did enough fucking cash in on that, didn't she? Oh yeah. I mean, how much did she write that into the plot? It's in every bloody bit. It, it's it's basically we need to get our very famous characters into, into a place. places that they yeah. will be recognised. How do we do this? Well, we don't <sighs> use stealth. No. Um, no, we we put on somebody else's face. Yeah. and make no effort to change our voice. Thankfully, Harry's not got the potion as he's under the cloak, which, again, makes more sense. You've got an invisibility cloak, man. Use it. Yeah. And I, I, I like that. It works better for me. Yeah. Um, thingy, uh, Hermione dresses up as Bellatrix as Helena Bonham Carter, so then we get to see Helena Bonham Carter playing Hermione. I, I, is that how you describe it? So it's, 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 an Emma, it's Helena Bonham Carter playing Bellatrix, who's playing Hermione, who's pretending to be Bellatrix. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> when you think about it like that, it, it is a breaks bit of a, me. Yeah. It breaks my head. Mm. Um, so who's pretending to be who? Hang on, Helen the Bottom Carter's pretending to be Emma Watson. Who's pretending to be him? No, other way around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're both God. pretending, and yeah. neither of them are each other. I think that's it. <laughs> That's the James, James, James has just described acting to me, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that Ian McKellen scene in Extras. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not actually a wizard. Yeah, we know that. That's fine. Um, um, so, wands are now ID. Yeah, they use the ID. The goblins want the wands as ID. Don't really get that. Um, no, never been ID before. Uh, also, if- this time around. Harry uses that unforgivable curse to get into the bank, doesn't he? Past the goblin. So you think, well, what was the point of all the other facades? Like, surely they have just done that. Like, well, surely that would have been a better plan if there was a chance they were going to get caught. Because Griphook says to Harry, they know that she's an imposter. They've been warned. And you go, what's the fucking point then? Yeah. <laughs> what was I, the I, point in coming like this? I, I, I don't understand. I don't like, understand. as soon as Hermione took the potion, Griphook should have said to Hermione, well, that's never going to work. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll figure this out. They're goblins. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. You know, like, house elves are better than wizards. Goblins are better than wizards. Yeah, they do make wizards seem a bit shit, don't they, in this franchise? Yeah. They're like and the they're lowest like form of magic. Either. These, these wizards are fairly well trained. Yeah, even Voldemort, who is self-proclaimed the most powerful wizard in the world, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, he's got no no clue. He's totally reliant on everyone else. 
He is. Um, he is like Harry, isn't he? He's in this movie especially. He's totally reliant on information that other characters are feeding him. Yeah. Uh, um, um, so they break into the bank, James. They find the, the thing. There's a dragon. They find a cup. The cup screeches at Harry, and that's how he knows it's the cup that he wants. Um, I think in the book, the cup is brought up a lot earlier. So Harry and Dumbledore, do you know when they go through memory lane? Yeah. They go through all of Voldemort's memories, like lots of them. And in these memories, Voldemort is doing things. Like, I think he works at that creepy shop that Draco goes to. Yeah. And he... Uh, is is trying to procure a gobbler off a woman who does not want to part with it because it's a family heirloom, and he ends up bewitching her and stealing it off her. Oh. And that's how Harry knows when he sees the goblet, that's one of his horcruxes because we've already seen it in the last book. Does that make sense? That makes more sense than the film. Uh, yeah, the, the film how good does that... That works, doesn't it? The film it? does that, that whole Indiana Jones thing of, you know, it's it's a little rubbish cup, so it must be the right one. Yeah, I mean, the only thing they do do with this film is that he doesn't know about the Ravenclaw one, and he does see a vision in Voldemort's mind of Ravenclaw, and that's why he goes looking for something to do with Ravenclaw, and then he does get, he finds out it's the little tiara. But, um, yeah, a lot of it's just, it's very fast, and it's very washed over. Yeah, they they, they go to a village next. And they do, yeah. set up an alarm, like yeah. a wizard alarm. An alarm oh, for yeah. wizards. You jump, you bloody hell, you're not messing around today, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to add to that actually really quick. I like the bit where you see Voldemort vision uh, again. Yeah. And you get to see um, Voldemort killing all of these people that have basically let him down. And that's when he realises that Harry is onto his secret. And he tells the snake, doesn't he, that we he knows what we're doing. He knows about our horcruxes. And I like that. It's good. Yeah. Um, I think I said to you during the movie, that would have worked much better if Harry didn't know Voldemort knew. Don't yeah. you think? The jeopardy's bigger, the the the, the you know what I mean the, the the threat is larger if Harry, Hermione and Ron are walking around and they don't know that he's after them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it, But they do. So it it takes a bit of the um I guess it gives them a sense of urgency to get to Hogwarts, but it also takes for me it takes away a bit of what you could capitalise on in a movie as a bit of suspense, I guess. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows what everyone else is doing, and no one mm. seems that interested in stopping anybody else. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Because uh, obviously, skipping well ahead, but Voldemort goes to attack Hogwarts. Yes, which, he does. Yeah, but he could have stopped Harry and that lot way before then. Yeah, I mean, if he can read Harry's mind and Harry can read his mind, because Harry does this in the movie, doesn't he, where he like goes into Voldemort's mind and yeah. he tries to find out where he is and he sees boats and water and ropes and he knows he's in the boathouse. And you're like, so can Voldemort not do that? <laughs> yeah, surely they can see each other and, yeah. and, and what they're doing. Because, yeah, I, like, I, I did skip ahead. I mean, there's a dragon, a dragon in, in the bank. Oh, yeah, I mean, I don't care, do you? <laughs> <laughs> is, is that the same dragon from the Wizard Death Games? James, of course it's not. They're not that coherent at writing. <laughs> I'm so confused. So this dragon that's not the same dragon. Not uh, the same they, dragon. They they go on a uh, like a dragon prison break. Yeah, I think um, this dragon's blind because it's been in the dark for so long. It goes blind. Well, That's why it doesn't know what's going on, and that's why it can only hear them rattly things. Ah, that... Kind of makes sense up until the point the dragon escapes and flies away. Because if, oh, you, yeah, if I mean, you're on a blind dragon, that can't be the safest way of travelling. 
No, not all, but these are people that go through fireplaces and boots, James, and magic cups, so I don't think they're bothered about that. I, I worry that we're at risk of belittling this great franchise too much at this point. Have we just lost it? <laughs> I, I think we've come too far now. Yeah. The, the, uh, so, yeah. The pussycat alarm goes off, as you so eloquently said, and then we end up at a village, which is the village they go to uh, when they're out of school. Do you remember the one that Harry can't get permission to go to? Yes. Um, which is called, I think, Hogsmeade. Yeah, Hogsmeade. And they meet a knockoff Dumbledore. Yeah, knockoff Dumbledore, who is Dumbledore, isn't Dumbledore. Um, Harry's been seeing him in a mirror, which uh, makes no sense. And he thinks that it's Dumbledore, but it's not. It's actually his brother, who we've never heard of before. Yeah? <laughs> yep, sorry, I, I lost... It, it, I keep losing you. So, oh. <laughs> apologies. But we'll we'll edit bits out and hopefully make it coherent. Well, I, yeah, we'll be all right. Um yeah. The great Kieran Hines, James. Kieran Hines plays Aberforth, but you would not know it's Kieran Hines because you can't see his face because he's got so much prosthetic makeup on and a beard and he's putting on an accent. Uh, again, I think it's like an off Richard Harris Irish accent. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. I think um, <laughs> I think it's very telling that in the film, Ron has to say, blimey, that looks just like Dumbledore. And because yeah. <laughs> I hadn't even put, though we don't see him, no, we we we've not seen him at that bit, and I I, just, I didn't see it. I, I didn't see that he looked like Dumbledore. I didn't put it together <sighs> until the, those characters said, "Oh, he looks just like Dumbledore." I, I, no, <laughs> I think, and I, again, we've talked about this in the previous installments that this scene, these scenes, they are, I guess, in the book they read really well because you get a lot of exposition about why Dumbledore's the way he is. Why we don't know about Aberthorth. We also find out Dumbledore's connection to the dark wizard Grindelwald, who we saw in the last film. We get a lot of Dumbledore backstory, plot development, exposition. Does that make sense? Yeah. In the film, we get none of that. We get a slight nod to the fact that their sister is dead and there's a picture of her on the wall. We don't know how. Again, you need to read the book to find out. Um, and I think the pace drops off and I just think, why? You've took us through this scene with the dragon and the gold and the and the and the, the, the prison break and the escape and it's really exciting and then we get to the village and the whole pace drops for about ten minutes. Yeah, because like Dumbledore up until this point in the films has been portrayed as like a wizard who knows what's going on. Yeah, the, the perfect person yeah, kind the, of thing. That the ministry don't get him, but he's right. And at this point, yeah. we're told yeah. actually Dumbledore's an idiot, and yeah. his brother doesn't like him. His sister and he makes dead. mistakes. He makes mistakes. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I, again, it works. I get it. I just don't think it works in movie storytelling. No, um, we Neville gets a hero moment. Yeah, Neville's back. I'm so happy Neville's back. And he's a proper leader now, isn't he? He's like the leader of the uh, the kids who live in the Room of Requirement. It's a little bit... It's a little <laughs> bit Lost Boys slash Peter Pan. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's like the promotion that you get when everyone else has been promoted. It is. It's like we've got nobody else. What about the Irish kid? <laughs> what about that other kid? <laughs> uh, Neville? Neville. Is, Fuck is, it. He's the only one with name recognition. He'll do. Uh, <laughs> he's the only one who's marginally been in peril and survived by plot armour, just like Harry has. So he, he takes them to see the Lost Boys. He does, uh, yeah. They go back through the castle to the Lost Boys... Um, we then get the John Williams theme finally back in it um, and Luna very quickly um, again saves the day and she offers genuine plot development yes which is 
it seems to be her job. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because Harry comes in and says something about, it's about Ravenclaw, blah, blah, blah. We don't know what it is, we don't know where it is. And Seamus does the thing me and you've done for the entire series where we just went, that's nothing to go on. Yeah. You're useless. <laughs> you've got nothing. This was the same thing that Ron fell out with him about in the last one. Yeah. You don't know anything. He doesn't know what's going on. He no. relies on everybody else. So he's gone from just disappointing Hermione and Ron to yeah. disappointing his whole class. At this point, he hasn't got a plan. He's just fallen into everything. And yeah. they've realised this now that the person um, yeah. that was like, you know, he is the chosen one. He is the wizard that lived. Uh, he he lived, which is true, but he lived to then not actually come up with any plans of his own. And Luna <laughs> comes up with all the plans. She does, yeah. Lu- it should have been Luna's, about Luna. Yeah, Luna's the hero of this story. If we're going to do anything with this franchise, I want to see it being remade from Luna's perspective. I said this last week. Um, we then see Rickman at his absolute finest when he delivers this beautiful speech in this dark and grey filtered um, hall of, um, what's it called, the Great Hall. And there's no teachers, no banquets, no happy things, no cakes, no fireworks, no sparklers. It's dull, it's yep. saturated, it's cold. And it's like it's like internment camp, isn't it? It's like a, a work, uh, what's it called, a workhouse, where they just turned it into some really Oliver Twist, Dickensian, scary sort of workhouse place where you yeah. want to, you think Rickman at any point is going to go, more? <laughs> <laughs> um, Harry then gets his superhero moment and his gang arrive. Yeah, uh, a superhero moment that he hasn't earned this entire franchise, but Maggie no. Smith gets one that she has earned, which is great. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Maggie Smith gets to fight Snape. Everyone's excited about that bit. Uh, it's If anything, it's over a bit too quickly for me. I, I, I wanted more of that fight. It's great, um, but they finally come to the senses and pretty much ban Slytherin, which I, I said they yep. should do from the outset, because it seems like a really bad thing to bad have bunch. around. They're a bad bunch. Yeah, yeah you don't want them about. Um, they lock them in the dungeon, only to presumably kill all of them when the school starts collapsing. Ugh. <laughs> oh. Oh dear. Um, we then get Screaming Girl. Voldemort uses children and their minds as a tannoy system. Yeah, it's very. Um, like, go back and watch the first Superman film, and Gene Hackman does the same thing to talk to uh, Christopher Reeve. Does he? I can't remember that. Yeah, he he has a, a like a transmitter that he can broadcast his voice at <laughs> <laughs> a frequency that only Superman can hear. I mean, spoiler alert here, James, uh, but that would be a bloody good franchise. We're going to have to do that at some point. Oh, oh yes, because Superman 4, Quest for Peace, is the greatest film ever made, if you hate I remember films. there's one with, oh, God, what's his name now? Um, what's the third one about? Oh, it, it's the one with Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor's in the third one, terrible. I yeah. remember watching it and I didn't really understand any of it. And then by the end of the film, which I sat through, I was no none the wiser. Yeah. Um, Back to this franchise, though. Uh, so yeah, he sorry, uses his Gene, franchise on pause. Yeah, uh, he uses his Gene Hackman voice to speak to all the kids. Yeah, we then, uh, Harry and Ron have a chat about plot whilst other extras run around aimlessly behind them. Uh, it's on the stairwell, and I think then uh, everyone gets a mission. So Harry and Luna go to the tower, Ravenclaw. Yep. Uh, Hermione and Ron say they're going to go to the Chamber of Secrets and get a tooth. Um, yeah. They, they, they... Irish kid says he's going to go out and blow the bridge up. <laughs> Good on him. 
That's what he's good at. And uh, in the background, Jim Broadbent's slug on. I just see him downing a bottle of something, which I said to you I loved. He's yeah. just off shot. I think he's, when Maggie Smith's doing her little speech about defending the school, he's sort of off to the left of screen and he's just downing something, like a bottle of vodka or something. It, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's a Love perfect that. little character moment. And then all the grown-up wizards make a big jellyfish in the sky. They do. Presumably only mums, dads and teachers can do this, because I don't think anyone, any of the kids do this, do they? No. Um, uh, yeah, and then um, everything's in the room of requirement. Harry finds out from the ghost of Ravenclaw that the thing he's after, Voldemort found it 50 years ago when he was a kid, and he did something to it, which he doesn't understand, and then he buried it, he hid it. And he says, yes, he's tricked a lot of people. He's a liar, which we know. And then he, we find out she t- she kind of leaks a cryptic clue that it's in the room requirement. Yeah. You'd have to be pretty good to understand that cryptic clue. Uh, I didn't at first. I don't think you need to understand the clue. You just need to understand that everything's in the room of requirement. <laughs> also, I don't think... A lot of, you know, other than in these movies, which me and you've talked about, presumably everyone in the film knows about the room requirement. They don't. People in Hogwarts didn't know about it. So, like, Harry's mum and dad don't know about it. I don't think Snape knows about it. Dumbledore, in the book, is revealed to have never known about it. Oh. And he references it as something like, there are many rooms in this castle, most of which I have um, I have walked through and around, but some of which remain hidden um, away from, and you can't find them. And that's like a direct reference to how he never knew about the room requirement. He knew it was there, he just didn't know where it was. So he never gets into okay. it. Okay. Um, that was, I mean, again, I don't know how much that, well, that care, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> um, they then... Um, Fight in the chamber. No, sorry. We go to the chamber. They steal a thing. The tooth. Ron speaks parcel tongue, which again solves so many problems. Why has he not done it before? Yeah, like uh, I, I knew. Obviously, previously he knew that Harry could do it. Like he could recognize yeah. parcel tongue. But that's like me saying, I recognize that that person's speaking Italian. I can't 100%. speak Italian. No, but no, I recognize I that. But in this instance, Ron suddenly knows how to open that door. Yeah, I mean, I know a couple of my Swedish um, friends listen to this, so I don't know. Like, it's like when the Brits try to speak Swedish, and we just end up going Sweden, yeah, and it doesn't. It doesn't work. Just English. Ron and Hermione stab the cup with a snake tooth, which kills the cup, wounds Voldemort, which we do finally get to see because we've never seen his reaction to any of this stuff. Yeah, Voldemort at this point has rocked up, hasn't he? And he's uh, he's, he's got, outside. He's got his army with him, um, mm. and they they launch what look like flaming arrows from their wands. Yeah, they do, don't they? Trying to hit the jellyfish. Yeah. Um, Voldemort then uses a lot of power to break the jellyfish. And presumably... I mean, he quickly not have done this at any point, but he doesn't... I mean, I don't know. I remember there being something about the fact that Voldemort doesn't want to damage the school or the children because he, it, because of his own attachment to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, he does promise, doesn't yeah. he, at one point, that he'll let everyone get on with what they need to do in terms of schooling. I assume that means teaching them for exams because that's not yeah. happened yet um, I and mean, that's important and uh if they give up harry he says they'll he'll leave them alone he promises honest gov um which yeah. you know when the big bad promises things like that you must believe yeah. them always <laughs> um so when he uses all that power is it just the film doing this or is it in the books he just gets more veiny 
on his head. He yeah, he yeah, he just gets more irate. So he's using the elder one that he stole from Dumbledore. Yeah. But it doesn't work properly and that's evident when it starts to break during the bit when he's like using its full power. Yeah. Um performance issues. Yeah, he starts to notice that things aren't right and it's not working the way he expects. Uh he kills a few of his followers. Um I, then I would just like a, to point out for this yeah. this bit <laughs> my note reads Voldemort, Death Stars, Hogwarts. He does, yeah. <laughs> so many Star Wars references here in this thing. I put in my notes, um, when the Horcrux thing screeches at Harry in the Room of Requirement, um, wish it was Luke's lightsaber in a box. <laughs> That'd have been great. Um, and they'd be like, how did this get here? Um, yeah. So then the roof, Room of Requirement, I can only call it the Roof of Requirement. The, roof, <laughs> the Room of Requirement uh, is set ablaze by Malfoy and his gang, and they um, try to get rid of some fire that is coming out of one of the baddies' ones. They can't, it gets out of control, and then all of a sudden the whole Room Requirement is on fire, which me and you were very disappointed with. It, it required putting out, but nothing conjured. Yeah, nothing conjured. All- <laughs> no sprinklers, no hose pipes, nothing. In fact, it's almost like the room wanted to burn because it just presented them with a million chairs. It did, a and there's a lot chairs. of shit in there as well, uh, isn't it? Yeah, I, I've put uh, Harry Lee's Battle to film an episode of Hoarders. Um. <laughs> also, if you're filling a magic room full of shit that can combust, surely that's a bit of a fire hazard in a school. Like I'm, I remember something about my PE cupboard when I was at school, where you had to put things in certain places because they said if it's all just bundled together and it catches fire, there's a lot of like foam and stuff that's very flammable. Do you know what I mean? It you sounds think- like you went to a school where rules mattered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. I don't know why I'm even going on about that, James. Um, oh, I've got an interesting fact for you, actually, while we're going through this, because, again, we're trying to be factual in this uh, as well as ridiculous yes. and critical. Um, there is an actor um, from Harry Potter whose name I have lost, but I will get it for you at some point in this podcast. This sounds like a good uh, fact already. I like this. His name is Jamie, and I can never remember his surname, which I'm going to find it now. He plays, and you probably don't even remember because unless you were really concentrating, he plays the crab character. Do you know one of the cronies, Crab and Goyle? Oh, yeah. Um, And he was in all of the movies up until, I think, movie six or... No, movie seven. Mm. Jamie Campbell. I have it. Jamie Campbell. Okay. Um, Oh, no. That's wrong. So sorry. No, it isn't. Jamie Wylett. Wylett. That's it. Oh, God, there's so many Jamies in this uh, film. A Jamie Whaler. <laughs> a Jamie played uh, Crab. He got into some trouble during the 2009 uh, just, uh, London riots. Oh, gosh. And was arrested in possession of cannabis and in possession of holding a knife. Wow, okay. And he went to basically juvie prison, so he couldn't be in Harry Potter. <laughs> 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 so he, that, so do you remember there's a bit in that scene where Goyle's out of control and there's this young sort of uh, this sort of young black kid with Draco who we don't know we've never really seen him before I don't think yeah I, I, and it's him Draco and Goyle um, it's supposed to be Crab but he couldn't be in it because he's in prison <laughs> <laughs> brilliant 
So that's why it's substituted. And I think in the book, Crab dies, in the movie, Goyle dies, because it's got to make like sense that he's one someone that we've followed since film one. Yeah. So and he it... perishes in the fire, doesn't he, when he when he falls off the the, the books or yeah. whatever, what's it called, the chairs. Uh, Harry and the gang save Draco, and they stab the diadem, which is then kicked back into the furnace by Ron, and it's obliterated. Yeah, and then the door so... closes and saves the day. So realistically, yeah. they haven't saved the day. That The door to the room of requirement eventually works and saves the day. It does, yeah. It locks all the fire in. Yeah. So God knows what's going to happen next time some poor bugger goes to the room of requirement to yeah. put something. At this point, um, Voldemort starts to really worry about his snake. I never thought I'd say does. that, but that's what happens. Trevor starts to worry about his snake. Yeah. Um, he then disapparates to hide with the snake, which he's trying to protect because we then find out, dun dun dun, snake is the last of his soul horcruxes. It's the last one. Yeah. Uh, or so we think at this point anyway <sighs> um, moving on swiftly Jason Isaacs has a wonderful scene with uh, Ray Fiennes which I really enjoyed uh, and I think Ray Fiennes slaps him <laughs> <laughs> yes um, we then get this wonderful sequence where the kids are running through the castle trying to get to um, to, Ma- to Malfoy and, and, and uh, Ray Fiennes didn't Voldemort and everything around them is just basically being destroyed. The school's being destroyed. There's giants, there's spiders, there's dementors, there's werewolves. There's a little bit of everything in that montage. And it's great. I think it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it covers a lot of ground figuratively and literally. It's good. I wish it was a longer sequence just because I felt like it's got that wonderful score. It's proper epic. It's proper like... It's Hollywood, isn't it? It's very Hollywood. It's probably the most Hollywood moment in all the movies we've seen so far where there is literally in every single corner of that shot and that frame, there is something being destroyed, someone being zapped, somebody dueling, something falling down. It's brilliant. I loved it. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, you get to see that Budget Dumbledore is an actual wizard. Uh, yeah, Budget Dumbledore fights, I think, the Dementors away, doesn't he? Yeah, and then you get... Uh, oh, they, they do tie things up in a very Hollywood way. Uh, Ron's ex is dead, which makes things simpler. Yes, Ron's ex is chewed by a werewolf. Yeah. Um, we then see Dumbledore talking to... Sorry, not Dumbledore, done it again. Um, Snape talking to Voldemort. Yeah. And Snape gets snaked. Yeah, Snape gets snaked. And this is because Dumb- uh, Voldemort deduces that the person who killed Dumbledore must have transferred the allegiance and power of the one to themselves. This is more of that wand law that they didn't really it is. cover. It's wand law, which again, if Ray Fiennes had paid more attention to John Hurt's character, he wouldn't have been in this mess. Yeah, yeah. John but Hurt doesn't might work. have looked like a mentalist listening to sticks, but he was actually very intelligent. Only well, was bang on, wasn't he, James? To be yeah. honest, um, the then Snape is killed, and this means that Voldemort assumes now that the power of the wand is transferred to him. Um, we get a really tender moment between Rickman and um, Radcliffe, uh, Potter and, and Snape. I like this scene. Um, I think, given that you can hear all the explosions going on up above, that little moment between Rickman and him, and he says something like, you have you have your mother's eyes, and it's like a really, it's beautifully well acted. It is a very nice, tender, somber little moment, little beat, which then extends to uh, the scene later in the Magic Memory Bowl of Dreams. Yes. And then we find out uh, in the aftermath of the battle uh, that has then been... Has it kind of been put on pause, withdrawn temporarily by Voldemort? Yes. That 
all the people are dead. Everyone's dead. <laughs> Everyone died off screen. Uh, at this point, yeah. Harry is starting to look a little bit like Bruce Willis at the end of a Die Hard film. Uh, yeah, he is. He's, he's, he's a bit bloody, but it's mostly other people's blood, I think, because he's doing all right. Compared yeah, to Harry, all the dead people, he's doing Ron's great. Ron's brother's dead, which is awful. Ramus, Lupin, Tonks, his wife, are dead. Just had their child, dead. Yeah. Lots of children and wizards are injured and dead. It... It's a it work. I think it works. I think as a scene, it works well. I think it's a bit where it brings home a bit of realism that the series, the franchise, has lacked. Yeah, there's a there's a moment of look what this has done to everybody else, and I know that it's not technically Harry's fault, and it does put the weight of the world on Harry at this point. Yeah, um, uh, it, but it's, it's good. It works. It works because he comes to the realization that because everyone else is dead, he might as well be too. Yeah, he, he then he, goes. Yeah, he then goes up to Memory Bowl Lane, um, which is a very Tim Burton esque sequence in which we see children at a big tree arguing with one another. It's Harry's mum. Do you want to talk us through this, James? Yes, let's do this because <laughs> I think I've done enough. <laughs> so, so Harry, Harry's mum is is the darling of everybody. Yeah. Everybody likes Mrs. Potter. They do, yeah. Um, in, including Snape. Snape really likes Mrs. Potter. <laughs> Snape likes Mrs. Potter so much that when Mrs. Potter is dead, he agrees to <laughs> pretend that he didn't like Mrs. Potter or Harry for Dumbledore's sake, uh, yeah. and he just acts like a complete arse to Harry his entire time at school. <laughs> All you, the- should have re- you should read kids' stories more. <laughs> All, Sorry, keep going. All because he does, didn't, did, might have liked Harry's mum. Does that yeah. about cover the, the sequence? I think so, yeah. Um, it's in this that Harry finds out from, again, more plot exposition, which, again, works better in a book than in a movie, but... It's various conversations between Dumbledore and Snape that have happened in the past. Yes. Deduce that the reason Harry is so connected to Voldemort and has been since the beginning, the reason Voldemort couldn't touch him, the reason that um, Voldemort's had issues with the wands, the reason that Harry can see into his mind and sense his presence, the reason Harry can sense the Horcruxes, is all because that when Voldemort tried to kill him, he did kill him in essence, and he split his soul, and a piece of that soul went into um, into Voldemort, into Harry. Sorry, into Harry Potter's soul. Yeah, and that's how and, he lived. So it isn't actually yeah. that Harry is special in any way. It's just Voldemort no. was really evil. Yeah, it is. It's really clever. I think it's clever though. I like that it kind of does that thing to go. Oh, he wasn't special ever. It was just that because Voldemort was using really dark magic, it accidentally backfires on him, which it does at the end. Yeah. And Harry is a piece of him that he didn't understand he'd made by accident. Yeah. And it's that whole thing, isn't it, where bad guys, villains in all these uh, classic bits of literature and classic movies, they always bite off more than they can chew when playing with the thing that we're told not to play with, you know? Yeah. It's like the Nazis when they open the Ark in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark and you, you say, you know, there's loads of warnings not to play with the Ark. Don't play with the Ark. And yeah. they play with the Ark and they all get vaporised. It's kind of that old thing about what we don't understand, uh, we will power and conquer. And obviously it comes back to bite Voldemort on the arse, both then and then later. Yeah, so on realising that he's not very special, he thinks, well, I might as well do something special and die for everybody. Yeah, so he- if I sacrifice himself, yeah, and then and then 
I can die and Voldemort's then weaker. Yeah. But he's not really going to die, is he? Because he's got a thing that'll bring him back. It's no. Yeah, kind of. So uh, this is interpreted very differently, again, in novel to film. Okay. My understanding of it, and I'm sure I'm going to get some hate mail from Potter fans out there, which have meant there are many millions. Harry gets to the forest and opens the snitch in which he finds the Stone of Resurrection. And this then completes his circle. Harry has all three of the Horcruxes. Uh, sorry, not the Horcruxes, the Deathly Hallows. <laughs> yeah. Keep up, Jake. Keep up. So he's got, <laughs> can't keep up. He's got all of the Deathly Hallows, and uh, that means that he gets to have a Dead People's AA meeting. He does, but not only that, he is now Master of Death, which in essence means that Harry gets to choose death or not. Okay. Does that make sense? It, because it, they, they allude to them being, whoever possesses the Hallows, it makes you a Master of Death. And you're like, what does that even mean? What I presume it means is that you can then decide your own fate, in which Harry goes to the platform, meets Dumbledore. By the way, we're going to talk about this later, Dumbledore is the personification of death. Right, right. So he gets to choose between cake or death. Yeah, cake or death. Dumbledore, cake or death. So Dumbledore is death. Yeah, Dumbledore is great... death, and then yeah. he gets to choose to come back to Cake at life. Yeah, I mean, okay. we might as well tackle this because there's no other way of tackling this. So there's this great theory on the internet, and again, it is a theory. It has been, I think it's been confirmed by Rowling now, but I don't know again if it's just convenience or if it was actually intended. Yeah. But somebody wrote a, basically a big essay, a fan essay, about this theory that the whole movie, the whole uh, last act the whole deathly hallows is based around three brothers who um create these they have these three objects from death himself Mm. one of which is a wand that he needs to conquer the world which is what he wants to do with it and he you remember he he gets cut his throat gets cut and he loses the wand the first brother is is voldemort okay in the if you look at the overarching story from an english literature perspective which i know you love um, the first brother is, Dump- is, is, is Voldemort. The mm-hmm. second brother um, wanted to recall loved ones from the grave. And that was his biggest regret, that he lost somebody and he wanted to bring them back. So is that that's, the AA meeting? Yeah, that second brother is Dumbledore. because uh, Sorry, no, that second brother is Snape, sorry. Okay. He's Snape. Because Snape lost the woman that he loved and he'd have done anything to bring her back he would have recalled the stone. He wants more than anything that Lily was alive. So he's the second brother. Harry wants to be invisible and go about his life and does not want to be special or bothered. That is the third brother. That's Harry Potter. So the three brothers in the story are, in the end, they're Snape, Voldemort and Harry. Okay. And Dumbledore is death. Right. Because he's the one that overarches the whole... You know, storyline of these three characters. Do you remember? That, that, Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah, because like that that fits with my theory that Snape is the real hero because he's the only one that's selflessly wanting to bring someone back to life. And he does do the selfless thing. He's been pretending to be evil for the whole film. And then at the end, you find out he never was evil. He just loved somebody, and he just did anything to protect Harry. Yeah, that 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 makes sense, and it sort of makes sense when Harry brings all his dead friends back to have a chat before he dies 
Uh, he doesn't bring Cedric back, which upset me because <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. It, it seems like Cedric would have had a, a deep impact on him because he's the one person who died in front of him, the first person who died in front of him yeah, when he right, was, actually when when he was like cognizant of what dying was. Because as a kid, when you, his parents were killed, he probably wasn't. He was aware a baby. Of that. Yeah, he was a baby. Uh, whereas Cedric should have meant more. But I'm guessing Cedric was on all of the Twilight money at that point. Yeah, and didn't want to come back. He, uh, he couldn't be seen as part of a, another franchise. They might have had to CGI his moustache or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> CGI his vampire hair or something. I don't yeah. know. Cedric, um, why are you so shiny? Oh, no. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> they go to uh, um, King's Cross without any trains as well, which is nice. Yeah, they and then you have the moment where Harry sees Dumbledore. They have their little moment. This is pretty much exactly as it is in the book. Um, Voldemort's soul is lying dead on the floor on the platform. Do you remember? Yeah, the uh, and it's been burnt out of Harry, and it's gone. Yeah, it's dead. It's dead. And and it's a wonderful bit, which is captured wonderfully in the movie with with Gambon. So Gambon's fucking brilliant, isn't he? And I love Michael Gambon. Yeah. He does this little bit where he says, "What is that?" to Gambon, and Gambon goes, "Something beyond either of our help." And it's like, oh yeah, it is. Like he is so evil. Voldemort. He was never going to turn good, and he could never do anything nice. He's always going to be. The, he's just the overarching evil yeah. and we've had Snape who we thought was evil we've had Malfoy who was evil then not evil we've had Malfoy's dad who then at the end runs away yes <laughs> and he's also given up he's not actually a bad person he's just got in with the wrong crowd yeah. and I like that I think that it, there's something very human to those characters where you go they're not all bad except potentially Helena Bonham Carter's character in Voldemort yeah and and uh, the the cat woman who makes you right yeah lines. yeah she's horrible isn't she, she? she's yeah, pretty yeah, evil I don't like her. Um, do, what happens to her? Uh, we don't see her again. That's it. After she gets stunned in the last one, you never see her again. Oh, okay. Um, they then um, so Harry's been killed. Voldemort wakes up and he's on the ground. He's fell over. Yeah. And nobody can believe this. This is made a much bigger deal in the novel than it is in the movie. But it's Voldemort has taken a, a hit. Yeah. Which makes him look weak, you know? I, I, and you see the big bad guy on the floor. He's even more veiny at this point. Like, the veins he are coming is. out of his head. It's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's veiny mort. I think he's starting to lose it all. That's why he's, he's falling apart, both in a metaphysical sense, but also, like, metaphorically. He, his character, his whole life, he's falling a bit. He's, all his horcruxes are gone, yeah. uh, apart from his snake. Voldemort then wakes up, shoves Bellatrix to the ground, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and then we get our little speech moment where they all go to the forest. Even though Harry's technically still alive, he's just pretending to be dead. Um, Neville gets his huge hero moment, which we've been waiting for the entire franchise. Matt Lewis gets to give his speech in front of the whole school, which I really like. Yeah. Again, um, very much bought from the novel and pretty much copied. It's exactly what it was oh, in, the, in the novel. That's good to um, In the novel, I think, in the book, I think... Uh, I think at that point, Neville pulls the sword out and the snake attacks Neville and Neville chops its head off. Yeah. I think it happens before the end. So I think they delay the snake thing for dramatic effect. Right, right. So I think that bit where Neville's in front of Voldemort, that's the bit in the book where he, snot- he chops its head off. Well, I mean... And that's where the battle kicks off again. Ah, okay. Well, because the dramatic effect works because Luna's really impressed. Yeah. And then it kicks off again um, because... 
Neville gives a speech and then Harry jumps up and he's alive yeah. and he runs off and Voldemort looks fucking confused. Yes. <laughs> Voldemort was like, oh, I thought I thought I won. I've, I've given up pretty much all my Horcruxes at this point. Yeah. That's cost me everything and he's still alive. He's still alive. He's still running about. He's still not really suffered any consequences for any of his actions. Uh, why is this kid so favoured over me? All I want to do is rule the world. Is I like that, that bit. Yeah. yeah, I thought those bits were really good. I think the final act is a bit too silly. I think it goes on a bit too much. The flying doesn't do it for me. I don't know about you, but the flying and the dueling, it doesn't do it for me at all. No, it's it it's <sighs> maybe the the time the film was made, the CGI just wasn't quite good enough to carry that off as well as it could have been. I don't know, yeah, but it, it just I think I agree. It just seems like um if you've ever roll, rolled down a hill, it felt yeah. a bit like watching what that fe- felt like. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, we then see um, Jason Isaacs runs away. Lots of Voldemort's followers abandon him at this point because they've just gone, well, it's, it's it's over. He's done. Yeah, You can't even kill this, this child <laughs> who's been trying to kill for eight years. Um, and then Molly Weasley kills Bellatrix uh, again. I think it's just one of those things where for fan is it was it called is it fan service fan service yeah. isn't it where they just horn that in to go look there's that scene you wanted from the book where she kills Bellatrix there you go it, it feels very poor very rushed and if I'm honest I don't care about Bellatrix I want to see what Voldemort's doing yeah I mean, at this point yeah we've we've watched eight film well yeah we we're, we're near the end of an eighth yeah. film. And all we care about are the main characters at this point. And I, th- yeah. I don't really care about Harry all that much. So really, no. it's just, it's Voldemort. And I want to, I I want want to know to what to know doing. what they're up to, yeah. And there's a bit where it keeps cutting from Voldemort and Harry's duel to Hermione throwing rocks at a snake. I don't want to see the snake or Hermione. I just want to see those two fight. Yeah. Because ultimately, and I know it's just one of those things where, again, you get very... Fans, I'm I'm a, I'm a nerd. I love action films. I love comic book films. I love all these things. You need those moments at the end where you finally get the one on one or the group on one or you know the final battle. Yeah. And in this movie, it felt like they kept pulling away from the battle when it was just getting interesting, and then dropping us in, and Harry's on the floor, and then dropping us in, and Voldemort's on the floor, and you're like, I want to see what's happening. <laughs> yeah. It. It. it it feels like there's been this massive build-up to this fight, this, you know, end, yeah. of, end of the world, fight yeah. for the ages, and then yeah. we keep cutting away to what the this little character's doing that we don't really care about. No, it is. It just seems a bit stupid. And then at the end, we get the... And, it, and it, the dramatic bit is where they're finally on the floor, they're in the dirt, they're in the muck, they're crawling across the floor, which I, I liked that scene. I thought that worked really well. Yeah. They then start their... What we assume is their final stand... And then as they're doing that, Neville chops the snake's head off, which is dramatically timed so that we know that Voldemort knows that that's it. And Harry, I think Harry even looks up at Neville and sees that he's done it, looks back at Voldemort, and then they fight again, and hey-ho, hey, the one that Voldemort's got doesn't work, and it fails him. And as it's failing him it burns his hand or something and then it flies out of his hand into Harry's hand. Yeah. And that is him done. He dies. It's it's like they wanted to do 
because the way it sort of flips up, it's like when you see in uh, like, like the Musketeers films where they, yeah, they, they, they spin it's a sword a around and the, and the sword flips <clears throat> out of someone's hand and someone else catches <clears throat> it. It's like that, but you don't get the fancy sword play. They effectively stand a few metres apart from one another and point sticks at one another. <laughs> yeah, because without the CGI, <laughs> nothing's happening. No, I, I don't know. I, that That is a, a mark of how talented they are as actors, I yeah. think. Because I, think I, I don't agree think with I that. could really import the... The, yeah. the 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 port you know the, the the massive effect that would be having on you if it was really a wand, yeah. But in reality, it's just a stick. And also, do you remember like in Star Wars when they're fighting with lightsabers? Yeah. Yes, they're not really lightsabers, but if you get hit with a piece of wood at, at speed, it fucking hurts. Yeah, you're going to want to <laughs> so avoid presumably, it. Presumably, Liam Neeson and like Ewan McGregor, they probably got hurt a lot in that duel where they were like clacking sticks together. Yeah. Um, and this, like you say, there's sort of no peril. No peril. Just point, point and stick at that bloke. He'll point and stick yeah. at you. Um, and Voldemort disintegrates. Done, he disintegrates like ash on an old barbecue left out overnight. Yeah, it's a bit anticlimactic, really. Um, in the novel, and I'm going to do this one more time for you. Okay. He does... Um, it is in the Great Hall. So it's not outside, it's inside. Oh, and, okay. Um, Harry reveals himself right at the last moment, right in the 11th hour. So Voldemort doesn't see him jump away and run off. Harry goes under the invisibility cloak and hides and then goes up to Voldemort at the end and goes, ha ha, and then says to Voldemort, um, that wand will not work, you should not use it. If you want to save your own life, now is the time. And him and Voldemort have a little bit of a sort of Shakespearean back and forth in the hall. And then Voldemort says, enough, I'm going to kill you. And then goes to kill Harry. But when he does it, it backfires and kills him. And Voldemort doesn't disintegrate. He just dies and lies on the floor dead. Oh, you see that that sort of in one point makes Harry look more cowardly, but also more Mm. heroic. So, I think what they needed in the movie is they needed an action beat because they, they just had the Neville speech and the and the Voldemort speech. Yeah. I don't think they could have had a Potter speech. Do you know? I think it would have dragged it out too much. Yeah, I think, yeah. And, you, you've uh, got to give, give the movie its credit. It, I think the way it did it, it makes Harry feel a bit more heroic because he's, yeah, I think he, so. he's yeah. drawing Voldemort's attention away. He's not just hiding. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, everyone then gets a nice little cheery moment. Uh, Luna and Neville get a nice little moment. All the characters seem suddenly happy, despite the fact there's loads of dead people in that room with them. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then Harry explains that the wand was never going to work because the wand never belonged to him; it belonged to Draco because Draco was the one who disarmed Dumbledore, which we forget about, but it is in the film. Yes, and then that means the wand's allegiance belongs to Draco Malfoy until Harry in the Malfoy Manor sequence in the first half, he takes the wand off, his wand off Malfoy. Yes. And that's when John Hurt says, I think the allegiance has changed. And that means that then Harry is the true master of the wand, which is why when Voldemort tries to kill him with it, it will not turn on its own master. Oh, good old um, wands. I'm so glad they so developed wand law, this stupid thing invented in the beginning of this film, despite there being seven other instalments, wand law both is dropped upon us and then saves all of us at the end. It's fantastic. <clears throat> I, I'm so happy for Harry and his wand law. Yeah. Um, and I, I've just put that, you know, because they're, they're standing on the bridge at the end, talking yeah. about what they're going to do next. 
That school yeah. has not prepared them for life in any meaningful way. No, no, not at all. Um, and they haven't got any qualifications because they didn't do that last year because they were intense. Yeah, didn't do it last year because they were intense. Uh, they <laughs> they know how to set up a, a magic tent. I don't know if they actually know how to set up a real one. Um, they certainly <laughs> won't know how to apply for a job, let alone a mortgage. So nope. the very ending of the film confused me completely. Yeah, um, I it it's a bit contrived. I, I just want to say, if there are young people watching who haven't yet reached this point in their life, um, families and homes and uh, money for private school doesn't just happen. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you're going to do at the end of your children's stories, right? You're going to go, right, kids, seven dwarfs and magic animals, forget it. <laughs> I just want that level of realism. I yeah. Th- I, they were all looking pretty happy and healthy. They all had their happily ever afters, which yeah, at least one of them should yeah. be the drunk at Weatherspoons. One of them. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no little Jimmy, <laughs> the owl is not going to arrive to whisk you away to school. You need to eat your cereal, get your grades, and if you're lucky, you'll end up a very insignificant member of society like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, so it, anyone yeah. anyone out there, you still have to work for that stuff. It doesn't just Absolutely. happen Absolutely. unless you're called Harry Potter. If you're called Harry yeah. Potter, you get the girl, you get a kid, uh, you get aged in a way. It's strange. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, he he actually is, looks um, younger currently than he does then. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, it's weird. It's quite a good job, isn't it? Yeah, it, 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 looks, it looks all right. It's just, it's a weird ending. So for anyone that's listening to this that doesn't understand what the hell we're talking about, this is the 19 years later epilogue that happens at the end of Harry Potter where the boys and the girls have grown up and they've got more kids. There's more Potter kids, James. This franchise could go on forever. Don't don't tell JK that because she'll mm-hmm. carry on. She will. She, she's already produced more little books for more lore that wasn't in the films. Yeah, she did that thing that every classic filmmaker and artist does, like Lucas did it, where they go, I'm going to leave that now, that's done, we can draw a line under that, I'm going to make more stuff. She then released a book that wasn't very good, and then she just went back to Potter. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, oh, no, don't sell out, just because Warner Brothers want to make more films, let's just leave Potter and write something else that's better. She clearly has the ability to make these wonderful worlds. Why can't she just invent something new for Wonder Brothers to make? She did write a saucy book under her own name. I, I so I'm yeah. I'm guessing that said saucy book and the uh, I think it was a murder mystery thing. That's right. Um, yeah, you're right. There was yeah. Those were her version of George Lucas doing Howard the Duck. <laughs> yeah, it was. And then after or, Howard the or Duck Red bombed, <laughs> after that bombed, he went back to doing yeah. Star Wars prequels because you know that, yeah. that's what he knew. Uh, he knew he could yeah. do that. Hundred percent. So she's gone back to writing the the prequels. I know. That I'm um, scared about I mentioning because I think we might have to watch them at some point. Um, well, we can't watch them now because apparently they're not finished. Apparently, there's like four more to come out. So maybe give it a few years, James. Four. Yeah, I think so. There's loads of them coming out. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, she's not got enough money, so it, it, it's fine. Uh, everyone go see those films and read the books. They're, they're probably good. I feel like we've ended on a bit of a negative there. 
I, I um, did enjoy this franchise. I have to admit, John, yeah, I enjoyed John it. John Williams closes it, which again is perfect. It had to be John. I'm glad that John Williams is getting the work that he deserves because he is, after all, a marvel. You, you mean they reuse his soundtrack? You're making it sound like he's just at the end bowing. <laughs> like is, in my ball. mind, James, in my <laughs> mind, at the end of that movie, John Williams might have well have stood up in front of them kids and just took a bow. Yeah. Because his score is by far one of the best things about the franchise, if not one of the best scores of all time. It's, it's brilliant. It's more emotionally impactful than some of their acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, James. We are going in in two seconds to five facts Excellent. about this movie, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Now, I'm trying to say that as slow as I can type it into Google. I... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I gave you a good fact with the Jamie Wayland uh, Way- Waylet one. Yeah, that's the, true. Uh, so that was a good fact, wasn't it? You one down, another one. I've got get, a few. I have, no, I've got. I've got some facts. I've got some facts. I'm going to read a few facts. We're, we're good. We're good. Um, over 500 ones were created for this film alone. They were checked out and checked in before, during, and after filming every single day. Many of these ones came back broken. I I really hope it was John Hurt checking them in and out every day, <laughs> just listening to them. Oh. Um, David Holmes, the famous David Holmes, yes. 25, was Daniel Radcliffe's stunt double. He was seriously injured on the set of uh, Harry Potter at Leavesden Studios. He was performing an aerial sequence in which he fell to the ground following an explosion, which was part of a stunt and sustained a serious back injury. That's a bit shit, isn't it? Yeah, that... I don't know if that qualifies as an interesting fact, more of a tragic event that could have been avoided. 25, James. That's awful, isn't it? Yeah. I think I thought it was going to end funny when I was reading it, but it didn't. (laughs) Um, so I actually will apologise to David Holmes there if you're out there David I hope you're absolutely well and I hope that you're well paid uh, for whatever damage uh, you sustained to your back during that film because it wasn't worth it no Um, God, could you imagine if they just gave him a signed poster or something a wand (laughs) here's one of the broken ones you probably broke it in your fall actually but never mind (laughs) oh God (laughs) could you imagine um, yeah, the fight between McGonagall and Snape was considered to be changed into Potter against Snape. Instead, this was scrapped by J.K. Rowling, who insisted that the duel should involve the same characters as the novel. And also, she saw it as a key moment for Maggie Smith's character. Totally agree. Yeah. I, I would have, if that was Harry versus Snape, it would have been really stupid. Ah, that wouldn't have worked at all. If anything, you could have done Harry and McGonagall versus Snape, but never mind. <laughs> I guess they didn't think about that at the time. Yeah. Um, According to Tom Felton, Voldemort awkwardly hugging Draco was not a scripted moment, but an improvisation from Ray Fiennes. Felton's reactions of stopping dead in his tracks and not knowing what to do is genuine because Voldemort just grabs (laughs) him and then gives him a little squeeze. That's brilliant. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, bit? That's... it's really uncomfortable to watch. That, and it sort of mirrors the, the the bit where Jim Broadbent hugs Ron, and Ron yeah, does, it does. Yeah, or rather, yeah. Ron yeah, gets, yeah, yeah. gets a, Ron hugs Jim Broadbent, and Jim looks really confused. 
Yeah. I keep calling um, him Jim Broadbent. I forget his actual character name. Um, I think it's Slughorn. Slughorn. Yes. One of the things we talked about, I think, whilst watching this movie, which I mentioned to you, and again, it's sort of mentioned as a five fact, is that the from the sequence at Gringotts Bank to the Battle of Hogwarts, it takes place in one day. So that's literally pretty much the films in real time, whereas our last film took place over the course of many months. Yeah. Um, this film takes place over the day. So it's the day they wake up and go to the bank is the same day that they end at the castle. So it's really Harry Bauer. A big day. 24. Yeah, Harry Bauer. Yeah, Harry Bauer. Yes, I knew you'd come up with an episode title. <laughs> oh, James, that's wonderful. Um, I've got one more fact for you. Fire away. Um, I'm going to go through... I'm going to give you this one. It might seem a bit shit, but I thought it was funny, and I think it ends our Harry Potter discussions in a really wonderful way. Okay. In total, <laughs> this movie franchise... Daniel Radcliffe went through 160 pairs of prop glasses. <laughs> he must wow. cost a fortune when he goes for his eye test. That, oh. yeah. Crazy. And just think, it, all he needed to do was speak to Hermione, because she can fix glasses, as she proved several times. Yeah, just, it's true. I, I forget the, the spell she used, but she, she did the repair thing that we'll put... It's, some, it's Repero, isn't it? Repero, um, which obviously is too complicated, but it, yeah, yeah, I, mean, re- I reckon re- I could re- figure that re- one out. Repero um, put Vision Express out of business, so that yeah, one. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it, James. I've got... That's all my facts. Um, have you got any uh, merch to show off? Oh, I do. I do indeed. I... Go on then. Oh, hang on, I need the jingle. It's the shit merchandise competition of the week. Brilliant. Go on then. I have a mug from a company going by the name of Grass Village, so you know it's good. All right. And the mug has written on it, because this is quite appropriate for me now. The mug yeah. says, if you don't get my Harry Potter references, then there is seriously something wrong with you. Seriously. Seriously, something wrong with you. So not seriously. So it's not grammatically correct. No, it's seriously, as in serious, and Ron, as in Ron Weasley. So (laughs) that just annoys me. Then there is something seriously wrong with you. Uh, Yeah. That is that is terrible merch, but I feel like that is a mug I should own now because I get those references. Because I've watched yeah. all eight Harry Potter films, and you've congratulations, su- you've suffered me <laughs> very well. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I do, yeah, I do appreciate it, um, and <laughs> I, I can't wait <laughs> for. Oh, James, it's been a genuine pleasure. It really has. Uh, I have got one piece of shit merchandise Ooh. that I'm going to put in right at the end, Ooh. and it's shit for both two reasons. In the it's shit, and it goes in a place where you'll find a lot of shit. That's right, James. It's a toilet seat from Harry Potter, and it says on it, Ministry of Magic this way, pointing to the bog hole. Brilliant. Oh, I can see so many children making a very grave error. Uh, I also want to put on the point of that, that there's loads of people have made their own, (laughs) and they're like scribbling on toilets. Oh, dear. Oh, my God, it's awful. You can Google it. There's just loads of Harry Potter toilets. Harry Potter toilets. I... Your search history oh. is strange. <laughs> yeah. Harry Bauer goes down the toilet. Oh. So that's it, James. We've done Harry Potter, mate. Harry Potter. 
Um, we will be doing a what I'd probably call the special episode, which will be our next episode airing in probably about 10 or 12 days or so, James, something like that, 10 yeah, days. let's not tie ourselves that, down to a day. It's going to air no. in the future. It, a, a, a day that isn't today and wasn't yesterday. That is yeah, when it, the next one will air. We're going to try and be better, but we are going to get... This is a special episode in which we are going to get two people, one of which is a big fan of the franchise, and one of which loathes these movies and disrespects the franchise. They're going to basically argue it out whilst me and James listen and eat cake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like this. I think all we're going to do is walk into the room and press record and leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me and James are going to go to the room of requirement where we've managed to think of nothing but cake ice cream and tea and we're just going to gorge ourselves to death and occasionally we'll open the door to the other room with the other two and just yell controversial opinions at them to get yes we will get reactions I I like the sound of that sounds like a good idea yeah lovely Uh, so James I will see you soon and listeners thank you for listening again please get on our Twitter page and drop us a comment at do the franchise if you want to get in touch with the show and also, um, please get on, you know, if you're on iTunes, if you're on Spotify, share the podcast, like the podcast, comment on it and subscribe to it for more. And if you do, whatever you do, just tell everybody about it because we want to get this podcast going Absolutely. as far and wide as we possibly can. The, the, the more people that subscribe, the less we have to worry about actually scheduling these at a regular interval because you'll get exactly. the notification if you subscribe. That's one of the benefits of subscribing. Benefits. <laughs> <laughs> right. See you later, James. Thank you. See you, Jake. Bye. Bye, bye everyone, bye. Bye.